You're listening to the Hometown Crowd Podcast, part of the 910 Comedy Podcast Network. On this week's jam-packed episode of Hometown Crowd, we recap the college football championship and the NFL's divisional round. We also preview the upcoming AFC and NFC championships, close the NFL coaching search, and discuss a surprising retirement. Locally, we check in with the latest news from the Fayetteville Marksman and discuss an exciting upcoming baseball tournament. Finally, we discuss the newly released XFL rules and start to make our picks for our favorite teams. Get on your feet. You're cheering with the Hometown Crowd. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Hometown Crowd, your source for sports news across the country and in our backyard of Fayetteville, North Carolina. I'm one of your hosts, Tim Dipple. Hey everybody, this is Mac. And I am Heather. Oh, <laughs> suck that tiger dick, bitch! Hi, Smith. <laughs> Do I even need to ask how you guys are doing tonight? Well, we know Heather's doing well. Why? I don't, I, I, I don't understand why. Yeah, yeah. Uh, go Tigers. Okay, yeah. Go Tigers. Did right. you guys see that they actually played the student section singing that line on ESPN? Heck yes, I did. I also saw the cameraman uh, probably had somebody in his ear to tell him to cut away, and he needed to swing away. Oh, um, or did you not see the guy get run over as they were coming onto the field? <laughs> the best tweet I saw about the game was that LSU recorded the first tackle. <laughs> and it was the cameraman. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, well, see, the the horrible thing about this, uh, the great college football season, and it was, it was fucking outstanding. Um, you know, is that uh, OBJ might have fucked a couple kids that will be on LSU's team next year when he's handing out cash uh, on the field afterwards. Yeah. Initially, like the assistant athletic director was like, "No, no, it was fake money." It was and fake it, money, yeah. And, and I saw then, a thing on ESPN, Burrow, like, "No, that's real money." Bro yeah, and Jefferson both came out and they're like, "Nah, man, that shit was real." <laughs> 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 oh, but before we get started, be sure to follow us on all social media at Hometown Crowd on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can email us at hometowncrowdpod at gmail.com and be sure to subscribe to our podcast anywhere you find podcasts. If you're an Apple subscriber, we would love a five-star review. And speaking of reviews, we Woo-hoo! finally have a new one. Yeah! <clears throat> yeah. Minda Deer writes, fun, local, sports, five stars. I'm not a sports ball person at all, but this crew does make it fun. I actually want to listen, and via their social media pages, I'm learning what all the sportsy jargon means. Yay! You you know what, Minda, thank you. Thank you. All right, number two fan. That's what Minda is now. She's number two fan. Number two fan. Mm -hmm. Number two. And number one learned fan. Yeah! Yeah. She's our most educated fan by the okay. show, Learned. not overall. Learned, I'm, sir. I'm gonna go on a on a little Learned. side a little side segue here. Um, I don't know if you guys know what the Call Her Daddy podcast is, um, oh. but it's it's essentially two women with filthy mouths that talk about like sex and nothing but sex. And Heather, uh, you have no. a sideshow. <laughs> maybe I I need to find out if they need a guest host. Um, but uh, <laughs> they got put they got nominated for a streaming, which is like podcast awards right. in the same category as Oprah under self-help. 
<laughs> Love it. So, so now I, I need to write this down. If number two fan is learning something from our podcast, we are essentially an educational podcast. Hey. Right. All right. I and mean, we should be everybody. This get is on edutainment. There. That's right. Get on to, to iTunes or wherever else. Leave us good reviews. Get our numbers up there. So then we could be nominated for a streaming in the educational segment, in the educational category. Now I kind of want to have a side uh, YouTube channel related to this where Mac just kind of talks through the rules of sports in short videos. Yeah, oh, that's, God. that's an awful idea. That's not going <laughs> to... And they can be fully animated. That's going to go off the rails, like, super quick. Fully animated, so nobody's got to see that ugly face. That's why I grow the beard, so it covers up half the ugly face. (laughs) But, all right, Tim. uh, Let's get started. Nothing major happened this week, right, guys? (laughs) How dare you? Some some, uh, cheating in baseball. Some big cheating. Yeah, 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 that's that's the only thing. Yeah. (laughs) But no, no, uh, the national championship of college football happened this week and Clemson and LSU faced off in New Orleans to finish off the college football season. A big congratulations to LSU Tigers who won 42-25. And I think, and I'm going to say it, I said I would, we can officially call him LSU legend Joe Burrow. Yeah! I mean, yeah. the, the thing is, you, you you could probably even go past that because he might be responsible for the single best offensive season in college football history. Right. Uh, um, I mean, completed more than 70% of his passes, dropped 60 TDs, threw for, what, 5,400 yards? Something uh, ridiculous. Yeah, I mean. Uh, he threw for I mean, he had an amazing year. Oh, yeah, I, I, and, and like – there have been some great offensive seasons like Barry Sanders, 88 season, you know, the Earl Campbell seasons at uh, Texas, the Ricky Williams. I mean, uh, 463 yards. What? No, no. In, on the season. On the season. Oh, on the season. Okay. Sorry. My bad. I thought you meant for just for that game. Sorry. Yeah, no, we're, we're talking about his season. Well, even then during in the national championship game, he was responsible for over 500 yards of offense uh, when you take into account his rushing yards. So, I mean, it's just... Uh, okay, you know. for the season, it is 5,671 yards. Good Lord. See, right there. Yeah. And, and yeah. can you imagine if he played every snap of every game? Uh, <laughs> he probably have over 6,000 yards uh, passing. He has, a yeah, let's, let's... he has a completion percent of 76.3. That's, and that's absolutely crazy. Let, um, let's also acknowledge who he was doing that against. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, because you've got Texas on that schedule. You've got Alabama. You've got Auburn. You've got Florida. You've got the the Georgia Georgia, uh, Conference Championship. You've got Oklahoma. That's half those yards right there. Um, (laughs) And then you've got Clemson. That's not an easy schedule to do. No. And, you know, it makes you think, especially as Ohio State fans, what could have been uh, one, if he would have stayed healthy as a freshman and sophomore. Um, and two, if Urban Meyer wasn't so dead set on keeping um, uh, JT Barrett out there. Right. Uh, so, well, yeah, speaking of, do you know how many yards Joe Burrow had in 2017? Not many. 61. <laughs> yeah. It, that, that last For year. Ohio State? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, and he was nothing more than mediocre last season. No, yeah. he, 
No, I wouldn't say mediocre. I wouldn't say mediocre. I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't near the level that he was at now. But I mean, well, yeah. I mean, that was his was... first year in the offense. It's not like yeah. he played in it before. Yeah, uh, but it wasn't like we had another fucking Jordan Jefferson. Yeah, you know. So I, mean, I mean, it's I I I, I commend uh, Joe Burrow because even even though he sat for two and a half three years, mm-hmm. uh, he still has a college career that <laughs> you know there are. Uh, kids coming out of high school, or maybe even uh, you know, young men on collegiate rosters right now, that would kill. They would kill for that. That yeah, because he's the goal. Now. Yeah, he's yeah. become the goal. So. He's gonna be. He's gonna have. He had the season that everybody is going to be measured by, at that at, oh, at exactly. least at the quarterback yeah. position. Oh yeah. Well, and that's. Uh, well, I mean, I, that's the thing. I don't think you can. I think that that that's asking too much. Uh, I mean, look, the the dude threw from six thousand yards, uh, sixty touchdowns. Uh, probably had a couple hundred yards on the ground. He had five other rushing touchdowns. Like the dude is just, uh, it was, it was, I mean, you, whether you're a fan or not, he took advantage of being in the right place mm-hmm. with the right guys around him on the right team for the right coach. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, and, and that's what kind of surprised me uh, when you look at Joe Brady, the the passing game coordinator, uh, when people are like, "Yeah, man, he's gonna stay," he backed out of that deal. I was like, "No fucking way, dude! <laughs> There's no way." He's the next around. day, he yeah. was gone. Yeah, but that deal, but that, but that deal though provided flexibility in yeah. it if he yeah. wanted to go to the NFL. Well, yeah, I mean, so like, like you can't he, necessarily knock on LSU for that because oh, they knew. Well. Yeah, I know. mean, there, there's no way you're gonna keep a guy like that because one, he's not a play caller. Um, yeah. You know, so you're not going to bend over backwards to to pay a passing game coordinator. You're not going to do that. The big money goes to your OCs and your DCs, right? Yep. Um, and unless you you move, uh, uh, was it Ensinger? What the the yeah. offensive coordinator? Yeah. Yep. Unless you push Ensinger out, which I highly doubt they're going to no, do. No, they're not going to. Uh, because that. he's he's called games very well the last two seasons, and especially with what happened with his family. Like the last thing you're going to do is be like, "Yo, we want to keep this like 32 year old dude." So we're gonna push your old ass out, uh, give you, you know, give you a severance check. Uh, you know, they weren't gonna do that. So I mean, it, no. good for Joe Brady. Good for it's good for the entire university. I'm 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 pumped for him. Uh, and I now, mean, and let's acknowledge that Joe Brady, like I'm the youngest person on this podcast, and he's younger than me. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. That it definitely like makes 30, you think like thirty one. Yeah, it makes you be like, well, what the fuck have I done with my life? Right. Uh, yeah, he uh, between Joe Brady and uh, Doctor, I think his last name's Kim. Uh, he was a Navy SEAL medical doctor and now mm-hmm. astronaut. Um, I right. wish I was never born. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> well, um, let me ask you guys this. Um, I, I posed this one in our group. If you get, if you guys li- listening aren't in it, the uh, the hometown crowd podcast group is becoming quite a bit of fun uh, for us. Uh, we had a lively conversation during the national championship, but after the next day, I posed a question. Can Does this season have the argument to be the greatest single season team in college football? Is it up there with the 95 Nebraska team, the, was it 01 or 02 Hurricanes? Where does that fall? Man, I mean... That's a really long history to try to say, oh, this was the, you know, this was the greatest season or that was the greatest season. And and maybe I'm just too superstitious. Like, I just, I can't, 
yes, we had a really fucking amazing season and I couldn't be happier, but I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't know if I could. Well, let me throw a couple. I don't of know if I can. I don't know if I can reach hold, that reach. Hold on, before before we go on on your tangent there, Tim. I hear a lot of arguments for that '95 Nebraska team. Um, you know, they were playing. I mean, the, the, there were some tough big uh, Big Eight teams in the conference at that time. But you know what? Uh, a lot of those teams didn't really have to contend with um, is the amount of talent that's spread across college football now. Uh, I know there are a lot of kind of bottom dwelling teams because of the explosion of t- schools moving up to the big leagues. Um, but Mike Leach and Hal Mummy and uh, oh man, his name is damn it, Chris Alt, uh, former head, he, he coached at Nevada twice. Uh, when they developed the spread, that was the great equalizer across college sports. Um, well, excuse me, against uh, cross college football, it gave smaller schools an opportunity to be competitive against bigger schools, um, and and it really, I, I think it's a kind of a testament to how successful it's been that you see schools like App State, who are able to knock off Power Five teams and pull out ten wins and get to bowl games, or even what they do in Western Kentucky. Or, uh, you know, Arkansas State for that period uh, around 2010, you know, 2009, 2010, 2011, where they had like a new head coach every year and were still putting up nine, 10 wins and winning their conference. Um, I mean, shit, just look at what Leach did at Washington State. I mean, this season was a down year, but they do put up a couple 10 win seasons there. And that hadn't been done in fucking forever. You know, so the spread has made it harder to have dominant seasons because you will have like the you know, the, the ULMs and these smaller schools that are able to come up and just catch one of those big schools off guard and right. ruin the season, you know. Um, whereas teams like Nebraska like ULM, and 95— ULM and Bama. What, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, but teams like Nebraska and 95 and Miami, uh, who when you, get, when you boil it down to— I mean, the Big East as a football conference sucked, uh, you know. Um, that's why it disappeared and went away. Um. So your argument is this is definitely in the conversation, yeah. if not the most dominant. I, you, you can you can put it in a conversation with like those army teams in the forties that just lined up for murderers row for their seasons and consistently won. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you you can argue about that Texas team that beat USC in the Rose Bowl. Um, what was that oh four oh five? Yeah, around there. I think it was oh four because um, I, I want to say Vince Young came out in the two thousand five draft. Um, mm. But I mean, it, I think you could argue that that you, you know that was a top five team uh, based on production. You know, just how they finished the season—fifteen wins. Uh, you know, and although it kind of looked like they were moving through, it, you know, in molasses in the first quarter, like LSU once that second quarter kick, you know, started, like that was it was off to the races. So well, I attribute but... that to a lot of the. Uh... Clemson came out with some fancy plays and some different schemes, and it took Ogeron and Brady and uh, Burrow some time to adjust. Yeah, yeah well, and like, like uh, number one fan and I were talking about this like during the game as we were watching it, of how in the beginning, Clemson came out using every weapon they had and mm-hmm. was going 100 miles an hour from the go, from the start. 
And we were like, and we were saying, you know, like, that's great and all. But the thing is, is you can't sustain that. You can't, no, you can't un- do that for 60 minutes. Unless you get to like a, a, and we'll talk about this game here in a little bit, like a Houston size lead. You, 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 those games usually don't go your way unless you get out to that lead that quick. Yeah, but that, I mean, that's why you do it. You get LSU working off their back foot, and then you can start run, cycling your regular offense because right. Clemson, talent-wise, Clemson can go toe-to-toe with LSU. Um, right. You know, and so I understood that. I, I thought it was genius that Venables went away from his base package and instituted a three-one-seven, which is just nuts to have seven defensive backs on the field at once. But you yeah. can do that when you have Clemson's middle linebacker, uh, you know, the dude that got ejected, um, when you have a guy like that in there. Oh, uh, uh, Skalski? Something like yeah. that, yeah. Skalski, uh, yeah. But, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I took, I ate some crow because during the first quarter I put on Facebook, like, I didn't understand why they weren't running the ball. Yeah. Um, and then I had to go do something, and then the minute, like, literally three minutes after I put that on there, that's when Burrow dropped that 52-yarder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it just well, made, Chase was idiot. just torching. Um, yeah. He had their Terrell, number all night. Who's one of the best quarterbacks oh, yeah. in he's he's all ACC and he was just torched all night. Oh but yeah. Look well, at, look at Chase. Look at look at Chase honestly. Chase and Terrell are probably the same height, but Chase probably has 40 pounds on Terrell. Yeah. And when Terrell would go up to jam, Chase was able just to blow through him. Uh just look at the those slants he caught that he was able to catch in stride and then rip off for huge chunk plays. And that was because Terrell could not jam him, you know, in that bubble. Um, and then, you know, Jefferson, he was double covered a lot of the night. Mm-hmm. And when Clemson shifted coverage, I mean, Jefferson came, had some really big catches at the end of the game. So, yeah. All right, Heather, I'm going to give you the last <laughs> word, and then we're going to move on. I, I only have two. Go Tigers! <laughs> <laughs> All right. In other college news, it looks like one or more coaches with a, shall we say, checkered past uh, may be returning to college football. Rumor has it that Art Bryles and or Bobby Petrino will be coaching at Missouri State or Central Missouri next season. Bryles hasn't been on a college field since being dismissed in 2015 during the Baylor sexual assault scandal, while Petrino coached at Louisville a couple of times, as well as Western Kentucky and Arkansas. But most notably, he was caught in an affair with a woman that he got hired in the athletic department, and that scandal was revealed when he was in a motorcycle accident with her on the back. Mac, I know you have a lot of thoughts on this one. Yeah, I just, I mean, if you've got a coaching opening, there are good young coaches out there or even even some older guys that maybe uh, I mean look at what Bo Pelini did when he got fired by Nebraska he went to Youngstown State uh, and you know the Penguins had a down year this past season but like he was a nine eight nine win coach at Youngstown State and he found, kind of found his comfort zone um, you know so you know you can find you know dudes who don't have academic cheating on their record you can find coaches who don't have uh, you know, the history of running a program where women were, you know, routinely sexually harassed, uh, raped, uh, sexually assaulted. Um, and you can find guys that didn't do what fucking Bobby Petrino did, uh, who yeah. managed to get his side piece a job in the athletic department doing like promotions and then let her come on the road 
that's the kicker. That's what killed me. She was traveling with the team on away games. Um, and and then oh man, he had oh yeah he, had his, he so his pussy traveled oh yeah, and and Ooh. the thing is is you look at Missouri State who is looking to kind of rebuild their program. Um, you don't go after those two dickheads. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Biles. Uh, now, see, I would have thought he would have been persona non grata, but well, no, that the, <laughs> what the, the fuck dickhead, do I know? Yeah, two years ago, Heather, uh, when I want to say the Edmonton Eskimos or maybe it was a Hamilton Tiger Cats, Tiger Cats in the CFL, we're looking at bringing Bryles in as the offensive coordinator. Yeah. And people, well, he did go and coach in Canada for a little bit, and then ended up in Italy coaching American football. No, he didn't coach in Canada, did he? Mm-hmm. With what team? Give me a second. Yeah, I mean, I just I I know that the, a couple of places, including Southern Miss, uh, were looking at hiring him, and like essentially the fan base said no. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, it's just you don't need to have that kind of uh, you know, no, he never coached in Canada. Uh, uh, I thought I thought I had seen something about no, Canada. They were they were looking at hiring him, and okay, there was a huge backlash. Yeah, and it was it wasn't Hamilton when June Jones was still there. Um, well, he was hired by Hamilton. Yeah, and then they they walked back from it. Um, yeah, but I mean, he never coached a day there. Uh, gotcha. You know, but uh, you know, like Bryles is not a guy that if you're trying to. Uh, you know, regain alumni and student confidence in your football program. That's not the dude you hire. No. <laughs> you know, um, mm-hmm. I mean, if if I had my druthers, I would fucking eat them both into the sun and just, you know, watch them as they go through orbit. You know, I just, I think it's a horrible fucking idea. I think it looks bad on the school. Um, and let's face it, Petrino, that second time at Louisville, you know, those last two seasons were awful, and it just he was he mailed in that last season, mm-hmm. and, and just he he took a whole year away from those student athletes um, because he was struggling. Bobby Petrino has shown he can't deal with struggles. I mean, look what he did with the Falcons, quitting in week you know after thirteen games just to take the Arkansas job. You know, like it, he's a piece of shit. Yeah. Well, speaking of Louisville, Lamar Jackson got eliminated this weekend in the divisional round of the NFL. Um, which was pretty much a surprise. I don't know what has uh, been put in the water in Tennessee, but Uh, it's called Derrick Henry. Right. That is what (laughs) just a week after toppling new England, the Tennessee Titans took down number one seed Baltimore 28, 12. Once again, Derrick Henry made the huge difference rushing for 195 yards. He didn't rush for a touchdown, but he did throw one for three yards. Uh, to Corey Davis in the third. Uh, Tennessee's now knocked off two of the strongest AFC contenders, but Tannehill has only combined in those two games for 160 yards. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, he's averaging 80 yards a game in the playoffs. Yeah, and what kills me is is Tennessee has two really good wide receivers uh, in Corey Davis and uh, A.J. Brown. Um, and, you know, the whole kind of tenor of the season changed when Vrabel said, fuck it. Hey, Mariota, grab a seat. Uh, Tannenhill, come on, we're going to put you in. And Tannenhill, uh, you know, he played he he, he played in a, in a way that kind of Ryan Fitzpatrick does for two or three games, like lights out, uh, except that he kept it going the rest of the season. But mm-hmm. 
with with Tannenhill, you know what you're going to get. This is a guy who, um, you know, hasn't done anything in eight years as a starting quarterback. And, uh, you know, I, I've had Tennessee fans tell me, well, you know, look at the teams he played on in Miami. Yeah, I get it. Uh, I, I understand. But you can still see flashes even when there's a bad team. If the quarterback is good, he's still going to show flashes of yeah, and, and the thing is, yeah. is, like you said, Tannenhill's completed, I think, only half his passes as well uh, for 160 yards over two games. Um, and, yes, you, you literally have the Incredible Hulk running the football for you right now. That dude <laughs> is just a monster. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, 6'4", 250, runs a 4 five forty. It's just not fair. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, eventually, uh, you know, Tannenhill's going to have to complete passes. And um, I give a lot of credit to Tennessee's offensive line who just go out there and they know they're good at one, you know, one thing and they get it done. They open up holes for Henry. Henry's not just like bludgeoning his head against the wall uh, the way kind of um, Eddie George did for a lot of years in in, uh, Tennessee. But, you know, it just. (sighs) Tannehill is uh, 15 of 29 for the record. (laughs) So just over 50 percent. Well, for 160 yards. I mean, at this point, well, that's touchdown. a positive. Look, at least yeah. it's positive, okay? I mean, at this point, I don't understand why Vrabel, because, I mean, Tannehill played wide receiver in college. Sorry, three touchdowns. Um, Just just run the option. Fuck it. If everybody knows you're going to run, at yeah. least make Tannehill do something other than and, just hand the ball off, you know? And we'll talk about it here in a minute, but this next game for them might still be suited to feeding Henry. Oh yeah, uh, I mean it definitely is. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll talk about that uh, elsewhere in the NFL. The Chiefs topped the Texans fifty-one thirty-one. At one point, Houston led t- this game twenty-four nothing early in the second. They jumped out to a huge lead. Uh, Patrick Mahomes though threw four touchdowns in the second quarter alone, and the Chiefs went up twenty-eight twenty-four at halftime. Yeah, I was going to say, wasn't that game kind of very similar to the LSU Clemson game where just uh, where the Chiefs offense was just kind of sputtering in the beginning? Like they couldn't quite. Well, they had a blocked punt return for a touchdown. Yeah. Um, Deshaun Watson, I think, threw for one or two more. Yeah, it, it was it was 24 nothing with like 10 minutes left in the first yeah half. i want to yeah. say i, I want to say that it was like there was a few like similarities that it took them a little bit for their offense to really start like clicking yeah, yeah. and then it really fucking clicked yeah, yeah. i mean i mean let's uh, when you looked at the game um when i think it was in the third quarter kansas city was putting the ball in to go ahead uh, JJ they went Watt. ahead in the second. Okay, at halftime is twenty-eight twenty-four. Okay, so it was it must have been right before half. Um, but JJ Watt was you could tell he was smoked. Um, like he was hands on hips, he was sucking air, you know. And I'm just I, I kind of watched that, and I'm like, well, that's that's it. They won't be able to get enough pressure on Mahomes to make him make mistakes, and they couldn't. Um, mm-hmm. And Mahomes just put on a clinic. <laughs> like he really put on a clinic. Um, and show that, you know, he's probably the most exciting player in, in the NFL right now. Yeah. Um, and if Kansas City could just figure out how to play defense, holy shit, man. You guys, that, that, that team would be unstoppable. Um, but, I mean, that's the Achilles heel of Kansas City, it seems, to be the last, you know, 
three or four years is they just they can't stop anybody from moving the ball. Yeah, uh, and I think uh, Heather's the only one who picked that game correctly. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I I guarantee you, Roger Goodell in the middle of the second quarter was in New York, in his <clears throat> excuse me in his office, like pounding scotch, just like fuck, man. There cannot be an NFC South AFC Championship game. We can't do this. Like nobody's gonna watch this game. Right, because we predicted that they were going to be the worst division in the NFL. It still fucking is one of them. I mean, it's, it's easily the AFC South and the NFC East, I would say. Um, yeah, but they've got one team in the uh, AFC yeah. Championship. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, the Giants at one point won a Super Bowl after going 9-7 in the regular season. <gasps> oh, so. speaking of, did you hear that Garrett is in talks with the Giants to be the yeah, to be. It, was it, is it OC? It's OC. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, that's another team he played for. So I get it. I feel, you know? like, <laughs> I feel like at this point, he's just becoming like just this gnat that doesn't really ever go away. He just kind of keeps <laughs> popping up. And well, I mean, Yahoo maybe... Sports just posted that Joe Burrow said that he was playing with torn cartilage in his ribs yeah dude yeah did you because because of that hit that he took the hit uh, that looked like it snapped his arm right before yeah, halftime yeah it, it wasn't Skalski. it was somebody else that got him but like when he was like don't touch me when you saw him on yeah. the sidelines he was like don't touch me don't touch me but it turns out he was playing with torn cartilage uh wow. that was just posted so yeah that's my boy i think i think we could all say we're joe burrow fans and i just I pray for him. Um, I'm, not, I'm not a man of God, but uh, like I'm half tempted to go back to mass and light a candle for him as he gets drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> and he starts questioning his uh, his life choices at that point. Well, he won't have far to travel home. <laughs> well, yeah. um, also, well, so if, since we're kind of, kind of skipping back and forth, uh, Delpit did declare for the draft, as I figured he would. Yeah, so. I'm not surprised. Yeah. yeah. But go ahead. Go ahead. Continue. Uh, in the NFC, the 49ers topped the Vikings 27-10. Not a huge surprise there. Uh, and the Packers held off a Russell Wilson comeback to win 28-23. Yeah, uh, I, honestly, I was surprised that the Vikings, I mean, they didn't look competitive at all uh, in that game. Uh, and I was kind of surprised by that because, you know, they got Dalvin Cook, who is one of the top running backs in the NFL. They got two of the best receivers in the NFL. Uh, and they have Kirk Cousins. Yeah, but, I mean, Kirk Cousins is actually produced this season. So, I, I mean, I, I was, I was, you know, surprised uh, that it wasn't more competitive because San Francisco just looked like they were in control from the very beginning of the game until the very end. Um, and as far as that Green Bay game goes, man... <laughs> <laughs> Seattle played their game, uh, got up, went down, and then tried to make it happen in the very last few minutes. Um, yeah. And, you know, and I hope for Russell Wilson's sake that Seattle fucking decides to stop scraping the bottom of the barrel for offensive linemen and other talent on the defensive side of the ball and just pay for fucking people to play there so you're not wasting years of this man's fucking prime uh, as he's one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. You know, I, I just don't don't do like the Dolphins did to Dan Marino, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's look ahead at the AFC championship. You got the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Tennessee Titans. 
Uh, the Titans are a seven and a half point underdog in this one, but the Chiefs are ranked 26th in run defense as Derrick Henry comes to town. Uh, Mac, let's start with you here. Do the Titans have it in them to repeat a third consecutive upset? I think you'd be stupid to say no. Um, I think Vrabel's kind of caught lightning in a bottle right now. Uh, but, I mean, Henry has carried the ball quite a bit. Um, and, you know, when you get down to it, it you know, Tennessee's got to play. I mean, it's not flawless because, let's face it, again, Tannehill's only completing, what, 53% of his fucking passes. and Something like you know, uh, thrown for 160 yards in two games. Um, (laughs) I still can't fucking wrap my head around that. Oh, Uh, God. um, But, I mean, just after last week, okay, you really can't ever count Kansas City out of it because Pat Mahomes just seems like he's a dude who isn't going to let his team lose right now, you know? Right. Uh, But, I mean... If Tennessee plays that same kind of ball control, grind him out, um, you know, offense, I, I just – their defense is good enough to, to at least slow Mahomes down. I, you know, the, I, I think Tennessee's defense has shown that. Um, but I, I'm going to – fuck me. Uh, I'm going to go with Kansas City on this one. Uh, I just don't – there's so many weapons offensively for Kansas City that even if they get down – like they showed last week, they can come back and then keep that ball rolling and keep dropping points on you. So, um, yeah, I'm going to say Kansas City. Heather? Well, a way, I think the way for the Titans to win is that they're going to have to find a way to disrupt Mahomes. Um, but the problem, but that's not, it's not necessarily going to be all that easy because they're, because the Titans aren't a big blitzing team. Um, especially not during the regular season because they finished with the NFL's fifth lowest blitz rate. Yeah. Um, but blitzing isn't usually a good answer for me for Mahomes, Um, because just in 2019, he's got the NFL's third best QBR when opponents rushed five or more players. Um, so I mean, the best, I guess maybe the best answer for them would be to mix and match in a way that keeps the Chiefs off balance and puts Mahomes in um, different downs and distances. Um, I mean, I don't see why Vrabel doesn't just call Brent Venables up like right now, like, yo, 317, how do we do it? Well, yeah, but (laughs) if they do that, then he's going to say, call your play at the last possible fucking second. Yeah. Because that's what he does. I mean, uh, the, the kicker on that is, is like, it's not like you have to worry about running the ball much from Kansas City. The running backs are okay. Um, I mean, they got Shady McCoy, who's like a ghost of his former self. Um, and those other guys that they have are just, they're essentially extra wideouts out of the backfield. So, I well, mean. And well, and, and the thing is, too, like on the other side, like, while he does get credit, you know, for kind of turning around the Titans this season, he's still really vulnerable to strong pass rushes. And so he took he took 31 sacks in 89 dropbacks. Um, so the the for for the Chiefs is what they've got to do is that if they can if they can take away Tannehill's big plays then Derrick Henry won't be able to carry the offense. 
Yeah, I mean, if Kansas City goes up, it's going to be hard for them to run that ball control running heavy offense because they're going to have to get points on the board. Yeah. Um, you know, and at that point, Kansas City can just drop, you know, five people back and uh, take away those passing lanes. Um, I mean, I... Well, what could be an X factor for the Chiefs is getting Kelsey back. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Travis Kelsey. Like, he's a... He's he a caught good three weapon. touchdowns in that second quarter last week. Yeah, like he was. Yeah, Kelsey, but the thing, but he's got a he's got a hamstring injury. That's mm-hmm. the thing, and so like, listen, I've got a hamstring injury. You can get through it. You just you just muscle through it. You know. I'm, I was gonna say you got a hamstring injury just getting out of bed this morning. So don't yeah. even. It it's worth noting. It's worth noting that the Titans did beat the Chiefs this season, 35-32. That was, however, Mahomes' first game back from injury. Yeah, exactly. And, and he looks every bit as mobile as he did last year. Um, it, I, how unfair is it that you got this dude that can throw, like, 90-yard darts, and then when you take away his, his passing lanes, old boy can just bust it off, you know, for 15, 20 mm-hmm. yards. You know, it's... Yeah. yeah, he didn't run for any yards that game. Yeah. yeah. So, so to but circle he threw back, four hundred and forty-six. Well, well, to go back to me, because you know this is about me right now. Um, it's I am going about you, Heather. to um, again it's for pop <laughs> going for the Chiefs. Go Chiefs! All right, I'm I'm gonna take I'm gonna ride that hot hand right now. Uh, I'm gonna take Tennessee. I think. I think Derrick Henry might have it in him. I don't think that this is a Super Bowl champion caliber team. Um, I don't think that they get through either of the options in the NFC, but we'll talk about that, you know, in a couple of weeks. But I, I think they Henry can rush for another 200 yards and take down Kansas City. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go Tennessee on this one. I mean, even in a loss, I can see Henry still piling on almost 200 yards. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah and, sure. and they'll have oh, a yeah. grand total of, like, 230 yards. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, total that's, offense. that's what killed me in, in that game against uh, New England at half. Tennessee had, like, 170 yards total offense, and Henry had 135 of that. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, turning to the NFC, the Packers traveled to San Francisco to take on the 49ers. San Francisco is also a seven and a half point favorite. Heather, who's going to prevail, Aaron Rodgers or the Niners defense? Oy vey. Um, I don't know. Part of me, I don't know. This I could really be a just, very good game. I yeah, I kind of see it being a, a super super good game. Um, and that's why I'm kind of on the fence about it because I think it really could honestly go either way. Um, especially if the Niners use Sherman to blanket Devonte Adams. Um, Somebody and... needs to, cause Seattle did not fucking cover him a lick last week. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. And so like, so, you know, like the Niners pretty much, they really should just play to their strength. And so, um, because not even like Rodgers would be able to withstand a team that can dominate up front. Yeah. And their defensive line is largely responsible for dismantling the Vikings because they sacked Cousins six times. Yep. And so if if the 49ers can collapse the pocket 
um, at the same frequency against the Packers, then they'll make it really difficult for Rodgers, Jones, or anyone else to be able to run the offense. Um, And then for the Packers, they'll either need Hall of of Fame level of play from Rodgers um, and the running back or both. I guess I should say, or the running back or both. Yeah, I'd probably go both on that one. <laughs> exactly. Um, just, yeah, I mean, I mean, Rodgers is going to, he's going to face a, a lot more disruptive defense and they are really going to need uh, Aaron Jones to keep San Francisco off balance so that Rodgers can do his thing. Um, but still, I just, I kind of like the trajectory that the 49ers are doing right now. So I'm going to go Niners on this one. Mac, who do you like? I mean, if memory serves, Brian Balaga still might not play next week or this coming weekend. uh, And he's Green Bay's best offensive lineman. Uh, You've got a terrific front four, you know, rush. Uh, Quan Alexander for the Niners is back, uh, you know, and he could blanket Jimmy Graham. Uh, and he's very good against the run. Um, you know, I just see it could go either way, right? Yeah, now I mean, you see because... why I, I I really kind of like flip flopped on it because well, I mean it's it's Aaron Rodgers. Like that guy can pull wins out of nowhere. If Green Bay keeps it close, he's got a shot to win. Um, you know, but on the on the flip side of that is Garoppolo looks comfortable. Um, you know, and and with that defense that San Francisco has. I think it's going to be tough uh, for Green Bay to kind of have the uh, ability to to both run and pass. Um, so I, I'm going to say San Fran. Um, the game is good when you get two traditional powerhouses like San Francisco and Green Bay, you know, to represent the NFC. Um, These teams last met, what, 98 in the NFC Championship? Something like that? Yeah, something like that. Um, you know, but I mean, I, they're both good teams uh, and it's nice to see Green Bay finally kind of, you know, working on, on, uh, surrounding Rodgers with people who don't, you know, that weren't undrafted free agents and they got him on the cheap, you know, you know, you're only going to have him for a couple more years. Uh, you know, why not put yourself in the best position to win? Uh, so even if Green Bay loses, they still have the talent there to, to come back next season. Uh, yeah. but I definitely think San Francisco is going to win. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you guys on this one. The Niners were my pick to make the Super Bowl. I was predicting a rematch of the Blackout Bowl, but uh, Derrick Henry took care of the Ravens. <laughs> um, but I still have faith that San Francisco is going to make it, and this is probably their year to win it. Um, I think the more entertaining Super Bowl will be the Chiefs, but I did pick the uh, the Titans in that one, so... Um, yeah, well, so you, know the think, you know what I think is super fun is that the 49ers could potentially go to the Super Bowl and Harbaugh is still doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they only got better after he left. Yeah, well, I, it didn't help that he was literally getting into almost fist fights with the general manager at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, that that doesn't, and I, I think a lot of this can go to, uh, I, I really question San Francisco's ownership of bringing in John Lynch as a general manager uh, because players typically do not do well moving into the front office. Um, and he's done, I mean, outside of like a couple, I mean, the Solomon 
Thomas pick. I, I think that's still kind of being played out. Um, and the, the Jasizic pick or uh, signing the fullback where they gave him like, like a four year deal for 20 mil. You don't get fullbacks for $5 million anymore. Um, if you ever did at all. But uh, outside of those two, I mean, he's done a really good job of drafting and acquiring talent and, uh, you know, putting the best players on the field for the Niners. Um, so, I mean, I, I give him a lot of credit. And uh, hats off to you, Mr. Lynch. Well, we've got two final bits of NFL news. Uh, first, the Browns concluded their search for a head coach, which I think is the <laughs> last team that needed to find a head coach. Indeed. Uh, by hiring Minnesota offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski one day after his offense put up like 150 yards in a divisional playoff game. Um, but the move seems to indicate that the Browns are back to chasing analytics. Mac, what do you think of the hire? Oh, God. I mean, when I read the, the Canton newspaper article that uh, McDaniels during his interviews was saying that there would be a, there'd have to be a, big amount of change mm-hmm. um you know including cutting de podesta out of the uh, out of the circle uh when it ca- came to kind of game day prep and all that uh and then jimmy haslam actually told him no you know you're gonna have to have an analytics guy on the sideline uh you know you're gonna have to have the you know there he just put so many um conditions on that hire like i i really didn't think mcdaniels would take that I think Josh McDaniels is smart enough to know he should not be in charge of a whole team anymore because um, that blew up in his face in Denver. Mm. But no, like he, if, if you're looking to hire, like why do you need an analytics guy on the fucking sideline? Like that makes no sense to me. Um, now, as far as Stefanski goes, I thought it was funny that Jimmy Haslam's <laughs> sitting there telling Everybody in Cleveland, you know, all those, that great fan base, we're going to hire somebody that's got NFL experience and they're used to winning. And then you hire Kevin Stefanski. And I'm not going to bag on that dude. He's he's one of those young up and coming offensive coordinators, you know, and, and I get it. You know, you, you want those guys because um, they kind of bring a, a different mindset to running a team. But I, I can only imagine because uh, I follow a couple you know, writers on Twitter and, you know, what the, and I've seen some of the Browns reactions on Twitter. I can only imagine what it was in Northeast Ohio <laughs> where they were like, holy fuck. Um, you know, and yeah, his, it, the last game he coached for Minnesota wasn't the best, but you know, you're not going to go out swinging every fucking game. You know, some days it's just not your day, but I mean, what I thought was kind of odd is that you're going to hire your head coach first and then hire your general manager, which is something that Cleveland still doesn't have right now. Yeah. So ultimately, the coach is going to answer to the general manager, and that general manager is going to get hired and have had no say in the who's coaching the you know the team that he's supposedly running. So yeah. I, I I don't get the 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 mental gymnastics that the Haslam family is doing right now. <laughs> I don't know. It it's almost like if uh, if Mc. They, like they were narrowed down to basically McDaniels or Stefanski, 
And if they liked what McDaniels had to say, they were going to go one way with things. And if they didn't, they were going to go the complete opposite direction with things. And that was kind of going to decide who their general manager was going to be. Yeah, see, I I don't even know if that's the case because Haslam is not getting rid of De Podesta. All right. And there's always you're going to have that friction in the front office. Like, what the fuck is a chief strategy officer anyway? I have no idea what the hell that really is. Beats and they the have, hell out of me. And they had Podesta go in front uh, at, a, at a press conference to try and explain what it is he does, and I still don't get it. I watch it. <laughs> okay, yeah. and <sighs> analytics, for me, it works more in basketball, and it works more in baseball. Mm-hmm. I don't think it should have it should be the primary like driver of player acquisition and talent acquisition in football. The rosters are too big and there's too many variables. Yeah. Um you know, does it have a place? Sure. I mean, analytics has shown, you know, you, you can you can factor that into a lot of personnel decisions and your team will improve. Um but for football, like that should not be a, a primary focus of the front office and your scouting department. And I think Jimmy Haslam is, is fucking himself by, by he, I mean, Podesta is a baseball guy. That's, that's where he, he cut his teeth. Uh, you know, you, you can't apply baseball to football. It doesn't work that way. Uh, two totally different sports uh, and, and two totally different front office cultures, you know? So I, I just, honestly, at this point, the best bet for the Browns, I mean, for, and I'm saying this, I'm not a Browns fan. They're always going to have a special place in my heart. But Haslam needs to sell that fucking team, but he's not. All right? Because he's he's making money hand over fist. Yeah. And, and as long as First Energy is still being sold out every fucking game and people are buying shit, he's still going to make money. And until you start hitting him in the fucking pocketbook, the way Modell got hit in the pocketbook, um... You know, he's not going to – he'll hold on to that team, you know, so. Well, our final piece of NFL news yeah. uh, is right here in North Carolina where Carolina Panthers star Luke Keekley uh, dropped a bombshell Tuesday night by announcing that he was retiring at the age of 28. It Keekley, wasn't who, really a bombshell, though. I mean, did you see it coming? Well, no, but. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Keekley was drafted ninth overall in 2012 and was a seven-time Pro Bowler and 2013 Defensive Player of the Year, but had dealt with concussions throughout his career. Uh, Mac, what, what was your reaction to that one? I mean, I'm not surprised. Uh, and it's not just concussions. The guy's had a couple other injuries, too. Um, but he, he's kind of finding himself in that position where he's going into off seasons just trying to recover uh from significant injuries and a concussion is a significant injury same Uh, thing andrew luck dealt with yeah you know or gronkowski just these these injuries where you don't really have an off season um and that i can see how that's just not fun anymore Mm -hmm. uh and on top of that do you really do you want to walk around uh you know where you can't remember where you put your keys or you know, you can't remember some of the games you played. We we hear stories from these older players whose brains are fucking mush and as smooth as marbles now uh, because of the head injuries they took. So I'm not going to fault the guy. Uh, you know, I'm I'm lucky enough to have seen him play, you know, not just on TV, but at, at actual Panthers games. And, you know, he was a dude who 
was a, an asset to the team, not just on the field, but in the community. And it, the game's going to suck without him. I mean, honestly, he was a, a second coming of Mike Singletary. Like, the guy could just single-handedly change a game. Yeah, he was a genuinely good dude. Like, yeah. I got a little tired of his, you know, ADT commercials, but, like... Yeah, that's not, he, our, he is, that is not our fault. That Those fucking ADT, I don't know how much they spend in advertising, but uh, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, but no, but, but, like, everything I've ever read about him and, like, seen him in, like, interviews, like, he seems like a genuinely good guy. So, you know... Good and it's him. worth noting he did get his he did go back and get his degree in business marketing from business from Boston College. So yeah, I mean, it, good for him. Yeah, you know, I just it, the game is gonna be it's not gonna be as cool without him on the field. But I get it. Um, yeah. And I and I can there are see- already some calls on Twitter for him to either be I've heard as high as defensive coordinator for the Panthers, but more like linebackers coach. Yeah, I can see him taking a couple years off. I mean, go hang out with your wife, go hang out with your kids, uh, don't deal with football for a few years, and then if you get the itch, go do it. Uh, but until then, no, man. Uh, he made $65 million over his playing career. Um, and, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, the neckbeards on Facebook and the boomers that are like, well, they just blow through their money. No, these guys are a lot smarter with their paychecks than they were even, you know, 15 years ago. Yeah, and uh, I think I've read that he's, been very diligent with his well did you look at look at gronkowski like he came out and said yeah i sat on most of my earnings uh you know i had enough play money just for my endorsements i didn't need to spend my game checks yeah Um, you know these guys are smart um and and why you know i i just let them go enjoy it i mean good for you luke i mean you you made sunday's fun uh you, you you got to live a dream that 99% 99% of the United States would kill to fucking do, you know, go enjoy yourself, homie. Well, and also, too, um, also big in the world of NFL, kind of, too, um, is that uh, we should note that Steve Gleason did get his Congressional Medal of Honor, uh, his Congressional, what is it, the... Oh, the Citizen... Congress- congressional Gold Medal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that Gleason deserves it. I mean, he's done so much just for ALS research mm-hmm. um, you know and that's one of those silent killers I had two friends in high school that had it uh, they both their father had it his dad had it yeah uh, and they ended up dying at like 26 from it um, yeah. yeah and he was diagnosed with it nine years ago so mm-hmm. like he's already defied yeah the odds against him you know, uh, and that, that's good. I, I'm glad that's a, one of those feel good stories. Um, you know, and, and it's always good to see that considering that, let's face it, give it two weeks after the Super Bowl, we're going to get, you know, three players getting arrested. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we always get something always pops up. And, and that's what people think that NFL players are. But they're really just, there's some really good fucking dudes that pad up every Sunday to go out there for our enjoyment, uh, to watch them on TV. So, I mean, that, that's always a good one. And it's, it's local to Heather's heart. Of course it is. Well, yeah, but that's always, Steve Gleason is always like, that's, that's my big, that's my big thing. Like when, um, when my mom passed, uh, we, we asked, you know, like in lieu of flowers or whatever, we ask that people make a donation to his organization. Well, that, yeah. Um, so yeah, so it, obviously it has a very 
big spot in my heart, but like it, that's really cool too. Like he, yeah. he really has brought an insane amount of attention and awareness to ALS. And like he was instrumental in um, having insurance companies pay for the software that he uses um, for other people who have ALS. So that way they can use it to talk and have their voice again. Um, but yeah, basically everything Max said, good dude thought I would share that. So that's a good share. I like that. All right, Mac, I told you I was going to do it. I'm going to give you get, turn the show over to you for a couple of minutes here to talk about UFC 246. Yes. The, the return of the return of Connor. Oh God, this is going to turn into uncle's corner. I can feel it. No, I fucking hate Conor McGregor. Um, <laughs> I, I was on the Conor train for a long time. Uh, and then you realize he was a championship uh, in two weight classes at one time and he never defended a belt. Uh, so he, he kind of bought into his own fucking hype. Um, and then you know, lost the first fight against Diaz, won a rematch. I mean, and then lost against uh, Khabib. Uh, His shticks could just kind of worn thin. Uh, He's ridiculously talented, and if he could just shut his mouth, train and fight, he can get back to the top. But, uh, I mean, he's fighting Cowboy uh, Cerrone, who set the UFC record for most wins ever in the UFC. Um, Strangely enough, he's never had a title. (laughs) Um, but I mean, that's the highlight of the card. The rest of it is just kind of eh, uh, which is something the UFC has been fighting, uh, dropping ratings for their pay-per-views. Um, but I mean, with Connor as the main event, people are going to fucking watch. Um, I'm hopefully working Saturday night, so I won't have to deal with the fucking knuckleheads out. (laughs) Um, but I mean, Anthony Pettis is kicking off the main card. Who's, uh, he's still one of my favorite fighters. Um, Alexei Olenek is fight Maurice Green at heavyweight, and Olenek's one of my favorite fighters. Uh, he's just dude's been around forever, uh, and is quite the active fighter. He's fifty-seven, thirteen, and one in a sport where you have people that retire with less than twenty fights. <laughs> um, and then Holly Holmes is the co-main against uh, Raquel Pennington. So, I mean, if anything, uh, watch for Connor, um, who can change the course of a fight with just one punch. Uh, Cowboy's always going to be game, and you're probably going to see two guys walk away with just bloody and bruised faces because they're just going to sit there and trade at each other. Um, Who's your pick for this one? I mean, I would like to see Cowboy win, um, but I really think there's a reason Cowboy uh, hasn't won a title. Um, He's always game to fight. He's a tough dude, but when you get down to talent, uh, he's not the most talented guy out there. He gets by on grit. Uh, so I think Connor will win this one, but I, I think it'll probably, I could see it going all five rounds because uh, Cerrone's not going to stop. <laughs> Unless you knock him out, he's not going to stop. Um, and Cowboy throws an entertaining, you know, puts on an entertaining fight. Uh, but this one, uh, if, if you're going to spend money on a card, I don't recommend you do this. Go find something <laughs> that's airing it. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get to our final topic of the night, let's highlight a couple of pieces of local sports news. The Fayetteville Marksmen continue to play well, amassing a record of uh, 16-3-6 so far. That gives them 38 points on the season and continues to hold them in second place in the SPHL, just three points behind the Peoria Rivermen. 
Um, the Marksman's Brian Bowen leads all of the SPHL with 17 goals, and Taylor McCloy has a league-leading plus-22 point differential. Fayetteville hosts the Macon Mayhem and the Knoxville Ice Bears this weekend. Uh, Heather, I think you made it to one of the games recently, didn't you? Uh, yes, I did. I made it um, to the one. It was a uh, Harry Potter night. Sorry, wizardry night. Wizardry <laughs> night. Excuse me, Timothy. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yes, I did. And it was actually <laughs> the people watching was magnificent. Okay, that's all I could say. There was <laughs> there was a dude. Hey, us in Harry a, Potter nerds are amazing. Listen, there was a guy in a yellow like Zen suit, and we. <laughs> And what it was is it was for the half during the halftime of like these was dudes. Was he the snitch? He was the snitch for ice Quidditch. Oh my god! It was the funniest shit I have ever seen in my life. It I swear to God, it looked like he had trained his whole life for that moment. It was his <laughs> moment to shine, and he was just oh my god! It was amazing. And then you know, and then like. I almost watched some people die over a damn t-shirt because they were shooting like the t-shirts over the, over the, uh, the edge of the, of the glass, you know, and one of them shot over into, you know how they have like, um, they have almost like these little awnings that protect the, the entryways, you know, mm. onto the ice. Yeah. There like and one like landed in the middle of it, and there were people like trying to get on it to go get the t-shirt. <laughs> and I leaned over to I, I leaned over to James. I was like, "Somebody's gonna die tonight. Somebody's gonna die." And then we were just like making jokes of how they were just gonna use that tarp and just like either wrap the body or just use it to just pull the body out of the arena, um, <laughs> all for a fucking t-shirt. Like it was. But it was good. It was a lot. It was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I, it's definitely something um, more people in Fayetteville, Fayetteville should get out and see because, I mean, yeah, it, you know, yeah, it's amateur hockey, whatever. But like, it it really is a good time. Yeah, I'm gonna get out to one of the games sooner or later. I just haven't had the time. I've been, you know, slammed with the buying of a house and the holidays and everything. So. Uh, hopefully sometime soon. I know this weekend they're doing Marvel Superheroes Night, and somehow they've got five different jerseys that they're going to be using. Yeah, but isn't that one, though, that one is for, like, a specific, like, NICU, right? Isn't it, that it might one be, of those? but I, I'm yeah. still curious how they're going to work in five different jerseys uh, modeled after different Marvel superheroes, so that'll be fun. Yeah. Um, Another fun thing coming to Fayetteville, the Fayetteville Marksman and Segra Stadium announced that they're going to host the first ever uh, Armed Forces Invitational. Uh, this game is going to pit the uh, the West Point Army baseball team versus the Air Force Academy baseball team and local college Campbell University in a three-day tournament at the end of February. It's going to be uh, February 28th, 29th, and March 1st. So is it the Marksmen or the Woodpeckers? The Woodpeckers. Did I say okay. Marksmen? Yeah, you said Marksmen. Sorry, I meant the Woodpeckers. Uh, baseball. I was about uh, to say, I was like, why are the Marksmen worrying about baseball? Like, that yeah, make my bad. Uh, we were just I mean, talking that's... about the Marksmen. But yeah, the Woodpeckers at Segra Stadium. 
That would uh, be fun. I mean, that, that's pretty cool. Um, I mean, bringing out the uh, the academy teams uh, to play, you know, Campbell's got a pretty good ball, you know, ball club. Uh, mm-hmm. something they've, they've invested a lot of money in uh, when they decided to really go all in on athletics. Um, you know, I mean, that, that should be cool. And, and, and with the proximity to brag, that'll bring some folks out. Um, yep. you know, I'm thinking but, about reaching out to see if maybe we can get some like press passes or something. Uh, oh, dude, that would be, that, that would be cool. I mean, do you know how obnoxious we would be with press passes? Have you even thought about that? Listen, no. when you're What's in the your press point? box around other journalists, you will behave. Trust me. I've covered my fair share of uh, collegiate athletics and just trying to be professional with, while looking like a schlep, you do behave a little bit. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Ha- have we met? Like, hey. have have you ever been out in public with me? Like, ever? Uh, listen, all right. We we are journalists, Heather. We are sports journalists. You so, have integrity. That's right. <laughs> One of us does, anyway. Yeah, somewhere. Uh, but our final topic for the night, the XFL is just weeks away from their relaunch, with the first games being on Saturday, February 8th. In the meantime, the league has announced the changes they are making to the rules, and they are strange. A doozy. Yeah, that's, yes. that's putting it mildly. Um, I, I mean, Oliver Luck has came out and said they want to speed up the game. Um, okay. Um, sure. <laughs> and the way they're doing it, um, is, is kind of, you know, odd, uh, 25 second play clocks, um, which we will get, go ahead. We'll, no, I'm sorry. We'll, no, we'll get to see just how well, uh, Vince has invested into the tech part of football, because if one of those headsets goes out, holy fuck. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah cause, Cause they're saying yeah, of having all offensive players wear one-way radio helmets. Yeah. Um, so that way they can call a, you know, no-huddle offense. Yeah, uh, which I, I don't – the 25-second play clock I could see, it's going to really involve those uh, offensive and defensive units being uh, really on the same page. Um, but Oh, and don't, and don't forget, too, the 60-second the instant replay. Yeah. Which, too. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think the NFL showed us that maybe a little less replay would be good, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you know. But well, the goal is to get it under three hours without sacrificing any uh, number of plays. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I commend Vince and Oliver Luck and the other big wigs at the XFL. Uh, for doing what they didn't do 20 years ago, um, which was announce the league and in three months, essentially do what the AAF did, you know, um, which is rush a product onto the field. If, I mean, I know they've been in training camp for the past month uh, at various sites. If they can make sure that, you know, they're they're a cohesive group, that'll work. Uh, And you won't even have to really worry about the headsets because, you know, you'll have your signal men on the sideline and, you know, your forearm list of plays and all that shit. Uh, but, I mean, I, I, if you can get a game under three hours, I'm all for it. Uh, trust me. Right. I, I think we've all been, like, some games, you're just like, why the fuck am I watching this? Mm-hmm. You know? The college football championship. How dare you? 
That uh, game went on forever. I was okay with it. We 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 are going to disagree. Uh, and then the kickoff rule. Um, yeah, that's Ooh, that one one's the ones fun. that I was getting ready to highlight. I've got about three or four rules that stuck out to me. So let's look at the kickoffs here. So the kickoffs must land between the 20 and the end zone. Yep. Uh, kicking teams line up at the receiving team's 35-yard line while the receiving team lines up at their own 30. So they're lining up only five yards apart. Uh, but the players may not move until a catch is made. Um, if the kick falls short of the 20-yard line, or the receiving team or lands out of bounds, the uh, the receiving team gets the ball at the opponent's 45. So you've only got to go 45 yards for a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, if the kick sails into the end zone, the ball goes to the receiving team's 35-yard line. And if the kick lands in that 20-yard target zone but rolls into the end zone, the ball will be placed at the receiving team's 15. Yeah, that's called a – What the first one you described is a major touchback, and then the second one is a minor touchback. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> they have names, Timothy. I need you to use them, yeah. please. And then, you know, you, it's almost kind of like the same thing on the punt, like the – the punting team is not allowed to be released until the ball's caught. Um, hold on. on no, punt- the punting team can move not- like vertically all they want. Re- you know, cannot release past the line of scrimmage until the ball is kicked. Okay. So they have to literally wait until foot's on leather and then they can. Yeah, so you can't do those rugby style kicks to buy some time for your guys to get downfield. Yeah, I mean, it's. Um... I mean, it's it's a different way of doing it. Like they're trying to encourage kickoffs, but in a safe or uh, returns, but in a safer manner. Yeah, they want to they want to uh, take away that thirty yard run into a huge hit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm okay with that. Um, if it if it keeps players safe, uh, you know, I, I'm in favor of it. Um, I mean, I think it's you're going to have growing pains probably the first two or three weeks because this is something that's a complete uh oh thank god dude i for i legitimately thought you were going to say two or three seasons and i was gonna say do you really <laughs> think it's gonna last two or three well, seasons it only lasted one season the last time yeah but i mean vince mcmahon put up 300 million dollars of his own money to keep it running for at least two possibly three yeah um yeah. using using the financial metrics off of the aaf um yeah and let's face it, Vince is such a like knows that his three hundred mil is only going to get him so far because when the AAF went into bankruptcy, he actually bid on their equipment. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, um, get, get it for cheap, man. Go for it. <laughs> another, well, now, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, another rule that I saw was the uh, double forward passes are permitted as long as both passes are behind the line of scrimmage. Yep, I saw that. So you could basically turn a screen pass into a double pass as long yeah. as the receiver is behind the line, but they can both be forward passes. Yeah, I I don't think that's going to have a, a as big an effect as I mean, it's it's essentially like a 70-yard shotgun, you toss it forward 2 yards and then you can still huck it forward again, you know, like I don't think that'll change much. Um Nowhere near as much as the the kickoff and the punt return rules, you know. 
How about those point after? Sorry, go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say, too, that they're also introducing the five-round overtime. That's on my list, too. It's kind of a shootout-style overtime, like an NHL shootout. Yeah, basically, they'll alternate five single-play possessions with the team scoring the most, with each score is worth two points. Yep. So... You have to run one play from the five-yard line. Why didn't they just institute the college football, you know, college football overtime? I love college football overtime. Yeah, uh, I think this will be interesting to see. I don't know how I feel about it yet, but I think it'll be interesting. I, I can't wait for that first overtime game. Well, I mean, if the level of play is similar to like the AAF or XFL 1.0, uh, you're probably going to see quite a few overtime games. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, I'm all for it. Uh, the last one I highlighted is the point after situation after a touchdown. Uh, there is no point after kick. Uh, you either you have the option to either go for one point, two points, or three points from the two, five, and ten respectively, running a single play. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what's the point in having a fucking kicker? At you know, um, you could just get like a linebacker who played rugby or some shit like do your kickoffs and <laughs> save the do it elementary spot. school style with just uh your backup quarterback chucking the ball yeah you know i mean <laughs> well now some of the ones that i have um the uh offensive lineman will be able to move up to two yards downfield on a forward pass um, and then uh the designated home team will automatically get to choose kickoff receive or defer to the second half. Uh, there will be so no, no coin, coin toss. toss or opening scramble. And then in the event, in the event of overtime, the visiting team will be allowed to choose who goes first in attacking or defending. And there's a 10 minute halftime. Yeah. They shorten the halftime. Well, I mean, I, that's probably good. I mean, I mean, is it though? Because that's not much of a break. Well, if I they're mean... just going at that speed. There's only a 10-minute halftime in rugby, you know. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't even I, – I, the rule changes I don't mind as much. I think what offends me most are the fucking JV team names and logos. Oh, would you – would you? <laughs> I, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear the team names. Well, we've got the, the of Dallas – Of course I have them. The, the Dallas Renegades, whose mm-hmm. logo looks like it was ripped off of a USFL or Arena League team. Well, well, hold on. We need to explain, too, that, that this is divided into two conferences. There's only yeah. two conferences. Yeah, two four-team four conferences. All right, then we have the St. Louis Battlehawks, um, which is a sword with wings. Uh, so for you military <laughs> excuse me, military adjacent folks, uh, that'll really give you, a, like, a, a bro boner. Mm-hmm. Um, the Houston Roughnecks. <laughs> Which, uh, that sounds like a hockey team name. Yeah, um, which is an oil derrick akin to our old Houston Oilers with an H making up uh, <laughs> two of the legs. Of course. <laughs> the Seattle Dragons. Um, who, which looks like a fifth grade drawing of a dragon. Well, they, they stole UAB's logo. Okay, that's essentially what they did. They stole it and then recolored it. I was going to say, was it... did? Did you just draw it for them, Mac? And I'm, I'm like, here you art. go. And I think they that. missed the memo that Seattle teams have to be green and blue. Yeah. Um, the LA Wildcats, which out of all the logos, this is the dumbest one. It's literally an interlocked L and A. Uh, we don't even get to see a cat in all this. 
Um, of course, because it's yeah. LA. Yeah. That's why, because they can't they can't do anything without putting their initials on it. Yeah. It, the Tampa Bay Vipers, uh, which is just a gigantic V that kind of looks like a snake's tail. So okay, this is Eastern Conference. Yeah. For those, uh, the, now we're in the Eastern Conference. Okay. Then we have uh, the New York Guardians, which has like a a cat looking gargoyle. Wasn't that uh, like? A, isn't that a newspaper? Oh wait, Guardian. no, that's in the UK. Excuse yeah, that's me. in the UK. Sorry. But still, uh, go ahead. And it's just a singular guardian, though, not mm. not plural, singular. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. Excuse me. Sorry. Yeah, and this one will definitely give the army people a boner because the logo looks like a fucking uh, unit insignia. Uh, the DC Defenders. <laughs> um, it really does. Yeah, it looks like uh, air defense artillery patch. Uh, yeah, the crossed it. lightning bolts with the, the stars. Shield, the stars. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's this is some bro shit. Um, so, are you guys picking a uh, a team to hit your wagon to? Well, I last time I went when when I was uh, really getting into spring football, I went with the Apollos. Yeah. Uh, Before they started winning everything. Yeah. For uh, eight weeks. Yeah, for the eight weeks. Um, I can't pull for a Texas or California-based team. I just refuse to do so. Well, you did miss that there is actually a ninth team that will serve as like a practice squad uh, <laughs> and a farm team. And guess where it is located? Where? New Orleans. Dallas. Oh. No, no fucking way. Oh, they got like. Oh, so basically, know. so basically, they've got. Um, they've got the backups two... of the Cowboys. Yeah, they've got like two be... teams and fucking. <laughs> In Dallas, that's yeah. Horrible. Basically, the third string Cowboys. Wait, so there's the two teams squad. in Dallas? Well, no, they're they're gonna have one. Well, the like, the backup team is in Dallas as it, well. It's as... not really a backup team. It's just a it's just a farm team that they're gonna have. Because so, the, team, the teams don't have practice squads, so if they have to start dealing with injuries, they can pull from some, you know. Mm. Um, you know, I, you know, fuck it, I'm gonna go with DC. Um, Cardale Jones is one of the quarterbacks that's trying to be a. Uh, uh, the starting quarterback there. Um, so there's a little bit of affinity because he played at OSU, but Jesus, man, I don't know. I, honestly, I'm going to have to look at the uniforms a little more. <laughs> Is that how you're going to base it for on this, that? I for swear I mean, the God. Apollos had a dope-ass uniform. Yeah, they did. And um, logo. But I just, I don't know. Um, it's just so bad. Uh, all all the uniforms, when they did the reveals, like Bleacher Report, uh, would put like up a slide, like you know the official team release, mm-hmm. and they all have like the hype videos, and like, you see like the player or the dude that's supposed to be the player in the uniform, and like I remember like actually watching the Tampa Bay one, and I just felt like I was watching uh, the American teams from the CFL and the large expansion from the uh European, you know, the the League of American Football, World League of American Football, because uh, it was it's like this bright green and some other shit, and I'm just like, holy fuck, man, I'm gonna go blind watching this game. Well, if if you're if you're <laughs> gonna go off uniforms, you're not gonna go with DC. Oh, they that bad, huh? Oh God, they're bad. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I still have a few weeks. I I think the week before kickoff, guys, or the episode before kickoff, that's when we pick our teams. I think that's when we put it out there, who we pick. Uh, no, I, I've actually already got mine. Oh, oh yeah? Who are you going uh, with, Heather? I, I, just because of I will be in the area, so I, oh, I'm... The Seattle team? I'm going to go with the Dragons. <laughs> go they with actually the dragons. have a 
a, a decent looking uniform. It almost looks like a combination of like the University of Auburn uniforms and uh, the University of Miami, like mixed. Okay, okay. great. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to just find pictures here. Um, that way, I, I found a sporting news article that's got pictures of all of them. Okay, well, oh XFL, who's going to be the best dressed team? Hey. Uh, Tampa Bay looks like Oregon <laughs> University dressed them. Hard hitting journalism from the LA Times here. Uh, <laughs> I'm well. debating between Dallas, which actually has a pretty good looking uniform, uh, plus Bob Stoops. And D.C., but not because of the uniform, because D.C. looks like Oklahoma. Uh, Heather, uh, you, you probably picked the best-looking team. The helmet itself looks really cool. Mm. The logo like, goes, that's, that's exactly why I picked them. The logo the goes all the way down to the face mask and the ear flange. So. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a cool-looking one. And then the Guardians have the most boring uniforms in the league by far. Oh, my God. Those are horrible. Oh, oh. I feel. Oh, you said the Renegades look good. Jesus Christ, Tim, that's awful. I said the Renegades looks all right. I mean, we're we've got a very low bar for what looks good in this league. <laughs> Considering <laughs> I mean, these are bad, we're we're thinking it it might last the first like five weeks. No, I I, I changed it, guys. I'm going with Houston. Fuck it. Houston. Uh, oh, the Roughnecks. Yeah, I'm going with the Roughnecks. You're gonna be a Roughnecker. Yeah. Good job. The uniforms look all right. Oh, man. I don't know. I might just have to go with Heather on this one. I don't know. I'm still deciding, but like looking at rosters and stuff, I was debating between Dallas and D.C. I may have to factor in some uniform decisions here. Yeah. Well, I mean, this we've just taken a fucking turn for the nerdy. We have to stop now. <laughs> all right. Well, that will wrap it up for tonight's episode. Be sure to follow us on all social media at Hometown Crowd. Get in the conversation by joining our all-new Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Hometown Crowd Pod. As always, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review on iTunes. We will read them on an episode, as we said earlier. Uh, for Mac and Heather, I'm Tim. Thanks for cheering with the hometown crowd. Bye, everyone. And remember to wear gloves whenever you enter a crime scene. <laughs> Good advice. <laughs>